Hello there. Welcome along to the podcast, Sport and Life. How are you doing? It is Thursday, the 21st of January, 2021. There's a lot of 21s in there. Life is still very uh, stable, static, very insular, very confined at the moment with the lockdown in the UK. Fortunate enough to go to work in my day job at Sky Sports, but I hope you're well wherever you are in the world, whatever freedoms you have at the moment, whatever the health situation is regarding the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, thank you for hitting on the button. Appreciate your company. Thank you as ever to the sponsors, Bang & Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations. Always hugely appreciative of, I guess, the near year-long support now of Bang Olufsen, almost uh, matching the length of the podcast in terms of uh, the pandemic. They started in March and it's been really good to have that boost actually it's a little bit of money a little bit of belief that comes from having a partner as well which is nice and uh, support is very much appreciated also appreciative for the association with cytoplan food-based supplement company based in hanley swan in the west of england in worcestershire just as you approach uh, the beautiful imposing Malvern hills hanley swan there at picturesque village with a pond and cytoplans based there their headquarters and they dispense food-based supplements digested as food my father dr mark draper has worked as a consultant for many years for them big believer in the theory of them big believer in certain products in particular including the one which is kind of the staple of, of how i try and supplement a healthy lifestyle is the supplement they have called immune complete 2 relevant at the moment as we look to optimize our immune systems in the face of COVID. But hopefully a catalyst of the current time will be that long term we look at all aspects of our health. And uh, Immune Complete 2 is, is wonderful stuff in it, including vitamin D3, vitamin D3 if you're in the States or Australia, you would you would say, which is the uh, important one when we have got an absence of sunlight as we have here, although it's nice, quite bright, wintry, sunny day today here in Cheltenham my home in the west of England, but typically you don't get as much sunshine at this time of year, and particularly when we're tethered to our desks on Teams calls and Zoom calls and whatever else uh, with work, homeschooling the kids, not too much outdoor time, particularly that key time at, at lunchtime, if you can get outdoors, that's the, the key time. But if not, the Immune Complete 2 has your vitamin D3, has selenium, zinc, much more besides vitamin B12, just to, to keep, it's like a multivitamin with immunity in mind. So uh, cytoplan.co.uk, if you would like a 10% discount ongoing, a 30% discount up for upfront on first purchase, cytoplan.co.uk, and my discount code is DRAPER10R, D-R-A-P-E-R, all capital letters, the numerals one zero, and then the capital letter R. Draper 10R. On the subject of health, it is a great podcast. I was really uh, grateful to speak to Nick Gazard, who is a former Cheltenham Town player from back in the 80s, the original Gazza, he was called, but is known in local circles really first for the tragedy of his daughter Holly getting murdered quite a few years back now. And then Nick setting up in her name the Holly Gazard Trust, turning it atrocious tragedy and negative into a tremendous positive to help people who are victims of domestic abuse stalking whatever it may be the holly gazard trust also has an app called the holly guard app but on the subject of health nick in the midst of the pandemic i think a few months into it last may had a stroke got rushed to hospital fortunately has recovered and, and as you can see here now is very lucid very articulate more so than me in our conversation this morning 
but great to have him on just talking about the challenges for the Holy Gazar Trust and concerns at the moment beyond the immediacy of the, the pandemic and COVID-19, which are no voices, concerns have been raised about mental health, the challenges for children, the learning difficulties, the socialization difficulties for them learning from home. But one another factor is domestic abuse, the concerns over that because people are confined in their house and often getting out to school or work was an escape for them. So I wanted to speak to Nick about that. And he was uh, on good form, also talked about his uh, former club, Cheltenham Town, who've been a big supporter of the Holy Gazard Trust, playing Manchester City in the FA Cup this weekend. Huge, huge game. So here he is, uh, the irrepressible, the inspirational Nick Gazard. Nick Gazard, welcome back to the podcast. How are you? Um, I'm great, thanks, Ed. Yeah, really good, thank you. Well, really good to speak to you. I mean, it's been a tumultuous and, and stressful year for a lot of us with COVID, with the, the implications, but also for you. I mean, personally, you had a stroke last year, didn't you? How, how are you feeling now? Yeah, it's, you know, when you look back at the last 12 months, um, it's been action-packed, if you want to put it that way. Uh, I'm not too bad at the moment. I'm, I'm sort of still on the recovery side of, of the stroke. So I've still got some, some issues which I'm battling through. Um, yeah. But you know, they always said that it would take time. And, and, and that's the big thing with a stroke. You, you can't rush it. It, yeah. it will take the course that it needs to take. Um, I've got problems with my right hand side with my, my, my face and my hand and my arm um, and a little bit with my speech. Uh, but the, the general thing around strokes and a lot of people who you know, I've spoken to who's, who've had strokes tell you this, that mm. it's the fatigue uh, oh, okay. and it's the tiredness that you get and you, you can only do a certain amount and then you feel so tired and you've got to sit down, you've got to relax. And, mm. you know, it, gone are the days when you could jump around and run around all the time, even though I'm in my fifties, I, I could still <laughs> do that now. Absolutely not. But hopefully that will get better as time goes on. Um, but, you know, I, I have to say that I'm extremely lucky to be here. You know, mm. if it wasn't for the quick actions of my wife who found me collapsed and, you know, the great work of, of the hospital and the paramedics who got me in quickly, got me, got me through the MRIs and the CT scans to find out exactly what was happening and mm. then bombarded me with the, with the, with the drugs. You know, that, that made my recovery a lot, lot quicker. Mm. And also I'm still here. So I have to be really thankful and grateful for that. So, yeah, it's been a, a really um, tough year last year, not only with the pandemic as we were all suffering on that basis, but... You know, mm. having a stroke during the pandemic was, was, was really strange because, you know, I was in hospital for five or six days. Um, everyone was wearing masks. No one could visit. It was a really eerie um, oh, sort yeah. of time for me uh, and quite a frightening time, I must say. Mm. Uh, really frightening. But, um, you know, pulled through that now. And we're on that recovery road. So I have to, you know, be really, really thankful. You know, um, probably the highlight for me of, of 2020 apart from speaking to you, obviously, Ed, earlier <laughs> on the year, um, yeah. was, you know, what we managed to do between the, the lockdowns was my, my other daughter got married. So that oh. was, a, a, a re, you know, despite having to change plans two or three times, you know, yes. due, due to the restrictions, um, she finally got married and, and that was brilliant. And we had a great day. It was a perfect day. So, you know, that was the real highlight for, for, for the year for me. So it was, a, you know, a, a bittersweet year in that sense. Yeah, well, congratulations to her. I think actually your daughter rung me after your stroke because she was concerned that any, anyone you'd been speaking to or contact with wouldn't be able to, to keep in contact. So that was a real, real shock. And I'm really glad that you've, you've made that recovery and that you're on the, the, the road to, 
to recover. It must be difficult, I suppose, when you've been an active person, when you're a former footballer or a former Cheltenham, Cheltenham Town player, that you're, you're restricted in that way. But that's a real powerful insight you gave into the hospital as well. I suppose we hear that, don't we, about the impact on, on the health of other people who haven't got COVID or going into hospitals for other treatment. That must be something that's brought home to you is that how challenging it is for people who have, say, got cancer or something at the moment. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You, you know, when I was in hospital for those five or six days, um, I can't I can't praise the staff there highly enough for the the efficiency, but also everything they did was with a smile, even though you, they had masks on, you could see them smiling below the yeah. masks and, and and the attention that they gave me. You know, and I, I was non COVID. I was in a I was in a, a stroke ward. Mm. Um, the, the attempt was, was was fantastic. So. Um, it does give you that insight as to what what happens in hospitals to non-COVID patients during that time. So they still give me that same care and attention. You know, um, we were away from the COVID areas, but um, I, I must say it was fantastic. Um, highly yeah. praise them. Yeah, fantastic. I'm, re I'm really glad you had such good good treatment as well. It's, yeah, it's funny the mask phenomenon, the, the ability now to maybe smile through a mask and and actually I think people make eye contact more because they're trying to figure out a who it is and b what their mood is now more so it's, it's interesting you always have a double take I think when you see someone when I go into Sky Sports lucky enough to to still go to work I remember saw Darren Lewis the Daily Mirror journalist who's working on a show at Sky and it sort of took us two seconds to take a beat who was who and you're like oh hi how you doing you know from a from a distance but it's, it's an interesting phenomenon that one isn't it yeah, I've, I've met some people, um, you know, just out and about. Um, and I had to do a double take on a few times to say, is that really that person? And then when you start talking, yeah, you, you, you do recognize that person then when they start, yeah. start speaking. But so sometimes, you know, it, it's a bit difficult to actually recognize people uh, yeah. with masks on. Um, but I'm, I suppose we're, we're all feeling that as well. Yeah, have to get your, the eye wrinkles shows you smiling and stuff and things like that. That's the, right, yeah. Uh, the way, do, do you know, do you, did you have any insight from the doctors into to why the stroke came about? Do you think it was stress? Was it with the Holly Gazard Trust for, for your late daughter? Was it, was it the frustration of, of trying to plan things at that time? Did that impact the situation? I, I think the, you know, they, they can never tell exactly you know, why some strokes occur. And, and looking back at, at my stroke, what, what they were saying is that it probably occurred as a result of a, a build-up of things, perhaps the, the trauma of losing Holly mm. uh, and ho having Holly murdered. Of course. Uh, it's, it's throwing myself into the trust and creating something for, to help other people, um, trying to keep a job down as well, so working more or less 24 hours a day. And basically what they said was it, it wasn't really stress. Um, mm. It was a very fact that you were overworking and you, and you hit a brick wall. Mm. and suddenly your body wasn't able to take it anymore yeah um and you know i, I just suddenly collapsed in the morning on that, on that basis so they said it, it wasn't really down to stress it was that probably that build up of things and actually overworking yeah if, burnout if, burnout if, kind of yeah, thing yeah, yeah. Bit, bit of burnout absolutely hitting that brick wall and that was what they said was that it's really your body now telling you slow down mm. you can't do all of these things uh, and therefore, I really have to look at what I do, how I do it, and you know, focus on the areas that are really important to to me, which which is the trust, obviously. Yeah, and it's not sort of being disciplined with that, I suppose, isn't it? Is I, I find sometimes, you, like you say, you can get carried away and try and work more and more, but also you not only do you reach burnout, but you, your productivity sometimes suffers as well, isn't it? It's a, it's a sort of it's a skillful act of of being focused and being productive, but not overdoing it. It, it is, you know, when, when I first started the trust up, I, I worked from home 
Mm. Um, during the so I worked part time in Bristol for an insurance company, and then the other part time I worked at home. But I was finding good, good, that good work, preparation. That was it, Nick, for the uh, modern times. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, but what I found with working from home was um, I didn't discipline myself to that sort of nine to five mentality because I couldn't. Mm. Um, so I was sort of having a little break, and I think, oh, just pop into the office to just do that. And you, three or four or five hours later, you're still in there doing it. Um, <laughs> and I didn't have that discipline because I was so entrenched in the work and so focused on it and mm. getting the the um the results that i wanted that um it was a labor of love for me but that's no good to the body you know whilst the yeah. mind was was good the body couldn't handle it so um i decided to to move out into an office which gave me a little bit more control mm. but again it crept up on me i think and i was doing more more visits more more interviews around the country more conferences more training programs more workshops you know and i was going all around the country um, yeah. and, and trying to do all these things so you know again that was my body telling me slow down guy you know you can't yeah. do it all well that's it but that's an interesting insight that you had that experience of, of trying to run the trust from home and trying to work your, your regular day job from home as well and the the complications of that because I suppose a lot of people are experiencing that now aren't they in terms of, of how you segment your day how you stay focused and also with kids are trying to face that with homeschooling and we've it's interesting you say about the flexibility we've said you know it's very difficult for us to do a sort of 8.30 to 3.30 school day. We're trying to mix it up and do periods of it's sort of schooling and then a break, get outside because actually there's, you know, it's very intense one-on-one, the whole the homeschooling process. So that's, I suppose a lot of people have been educating themselves on that over the past near year now. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, lockdown has, has, has sort of given a lot of people no choice, you know, but to work from home and trying to, to balance that family life, you know. Luckily, when I, when I was working TrustWise, I, I didn't have, um, my, my young girls here because they weren't here it was just me and mm. my wife so that was one distraction I didn't have um, but you know people these days with working from home and trying to run the business and then having children and homeschooling in fact my, my my granddaughter is with us today and we we homeschool her on a Thursday to give yeah. my to give my daughter a break so we, you know we, we try we try and um, homeschool her on a Thursday you know and it is difficult you know trying to run businesses and homeschool kids you know um, I, I feel very, very sorry for a lot of people who are in this situation. You know, I had that insight into that over a number of years, but um, yeah, you're forced into it now because of the situation with the, with the pandemic. Yeah, previously you could go to a cafe maybe and do some work from there with your laptop or something like that. But yeah, which we've tried, I think we had a bit of a, a catastrophe this morning. I was went to the supermarket. My wife was trying to get onto Teams, which is the app that we connect with the school on, and that wasn't working. So it was, uh, I think there was a little bit of a drama, but we've managed to get connected. And I think Zoe's up studying my six-year-old now, so that's uh, that's that's good. But what, what interesting that the time of the pandemic, you mentioned the the impacts, the consequences for people who are non-COVID patients because of the strain on the healthcare system and things. I suppose one thing we were concerned about with lockdown is is families' positive aspect for a lot of people are spending more time together, but for other people that's more stressful. Obviously, the Holly, Holly Gazard Trust is about preventing domestic abuse and violence as much as uh, as everything else. Was that a concern for you when when the whole thing happened? Yeah, absolutely, Ed. Um, it's one of those things which, you know, when when um, the government announced the lockdown and working from home, you know, it ran all those alarm bells because when you look at domestic abuse and you look at individuals who are going through this, um, a lot of abuse occurs in the home because mm. that's that's the area where um, it's private between the two individuals. Yeah. Um, their sanctuary 
those victims are going to work and being yes. in the workplace because they're away from that and they can get that breathing space. They can, you know, whilst the perpetrator can still contact them, you know, they, they do have that breathing space. So, you know, when the lockdown came and there was a restriction on people going to work, that was inevitably going to make domestic abuse a, mo- a lot more prevalent. Mm. Uh, and we've seen by, you know, some of the agencies in terms of the increase in, in telephone calls, increasing cases, you know, and we've seen it from our own social media, you know, domestic abuse has increased considerably as a result of the, of the pandemic and the working from home, you know, and, that, and that's one of the mm. fears that we have and that, that's come, come true. Um, so, you know, what, what we are doing is focusing on trying to help those ind- individuals. And a lot of that is, is around um, our Hollyguard app, which yep. I know you're aware, you're aware of. Um, and, you know, we've, we've been banging the government. We've been, you know, um, luckily enough, we've been able to obtain some drug grant funding from the Home Office to be able to roll out um, the updated version of the app, which came out in, during, during the first lockdown in, in April. Um, oh, fantastic. Which gives um, a, an extra level of protection. We call it Hollyguard Extra. And basically, you know, people can pay to have Hollyguard Extra Mm. Um, and that gives them a 24-hour monitoring service where someone in a monitoring center, a specialized person, will pick up their call and they can see what's happening uh, when they raise that alert. Now, the, the Home Office gave us some funding, so we were able to roll, roll this out to a number of vulnerable victims free of charge. Mm. Um, and, and we know from the feedback that we've had, because you know, we've worked with 16 different police forces and five different agencies, yeah. The feedback that we've had has been great in the sense of how it's helped them because it's given them that extra level of protection and security that someone is on the end of that line that can do something about it. That's fantastic. And so, and the, the person on the end of the line can actually see through the, the uh, victim's camera, can they, on their phone? Is that how they do Absolutely. It? Once, once the victim sends an alert by shaking the phone or holding the phone down, then the person at the other end can see what's happening because they can hear uh, and they can see by video. Um, and then they can make that decision and they can quite often it's a case of calling the local police because they yeah. have those local contacts. Uh, and then obviously the police can, can attend um, mm. or, or if it's, if it's an ambulance or whatever it is, they, they can make that decision because they're experienced in that area. Mm. So did you ever think about connecting it directly to the police or would that be too sort of precarious? Do you think it's nice to have that intermediary to, to assess the situation obviously quickly before, before contacting the authorities? Yeah, it's 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 the thing that we've always thought about. But you know, the, the reason why we have that intermediary is, is a number of reasons. One is that we don't want to overburden the police because you know, mm. if a lot a lot of the alerts maybe um, don't need police involvement, um, so we didn't want to all those cases go to the police because the police then will get will get overrun with with cases. You know, they, mm. they've got a huge amount of telephone traffic coming in now as a result of abuse. And secondly, with the app, obviously, it won't go to a it will only go to one police force. It won't pick up your local police force. Yeah. So the, the intermediary then can decide who the local police force is and then they can get straight in contact with that. The control that's fan- yeah, that's fantastic, actually. It, it may be just tickle thinking about it actually a second. So I was listening to a, a podcast with the sports promoter, Barry Hearn, was talking about how his two heart attacks. And he said his first heart attack, his wife, apparently, she doesn't like making phone calls. So he woke her up in the night, so he was having a heart attack because you call an ambulance. And she said, give it 20 minutes. You don't want, that's for emergencies, that number 999. <laughs> and, um, but it makes me think actually having that intermediary as well, just on a, on a serious point. Some people don't, they feel guilty about ringing the, the authorities, don't they? And burdening the police or whoever it might be. Whereas if someone objectively can say 
no, 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 this is important. We need to get you help. That's that, in a way is a, a reassurance to the victim, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it, it, and it's working really, really well. And we're, we're now trying to, to roll this out even further because, you know, during 2021, there's the new domestic abuse bill that's going to be launched and comes in, uh, mm. in yeah, as an act. Uh, and there's a lot of requirements there around local authorities, the police, to actually, for actually dealing more with domestic abuse victims. You know, we're working with the Domestic Abuse Commissioner, with the Association of Police and Crime Commissioners, with the local government authority. You know, we're working with a load of agencies here to try and get Hollyguard as the number one or as a, a, a tool that these people can use to help those victims. And obviously the back end of that, um, because it's so sophisticated in what it does, it keeps a lot of data and we can mm. provide that data to, to whoever needs it. It's anonymized. So it's not, not an issue. Yeah. Um, but also with individual accounts or user has an individual account, that data is not anonymized. Uh, and if that's, um, needs to be made available to the user or to the police as a result of a court case, you know, we're working with the yeah. Crown prosecution service at the moment to make sure that it's in a readable, uh, and, and a format, which is actually, uh, admissible in court so you know it's got lots of different advantages of using the app um, for victims of, of domestic abuse but it's not only for domestic abuse you know the mm. whole app is about keeping people safe so it's it's used for school, school children it's used for people who perhaps have a mental illness for yeah. stalking all sorts of things the app can be used for and it's a multi-purpose app app in that in that respect that's that's fantastic and it, so you, it can be used as a body of evidence because i suppose another deterrent to reporting abuse may be a fear that you're not going to be believed but you you through the app can provide evidence to the authorities in, in a court case situation yeah one of, one of the new features of the app which was launched in last april was the fact that it has a reporting feature so you just click on a button um, you type in what you need to type you can take a picture uh, you can save it and it geotags it it date stamps it and it saved it to your account in the cloud um, mm. So you can actually start to build a body of evidence of, of things which happen. And then when the police want that, you can give your permission and, and it can go to the police. Oh, that's fantastic. That's real, real, I think, peace of mind for people and give them the courage to maybe break out of difficult situations. What, what is your thoughts and advice generally on the, the challenges then of, uh, of domestic triggers? Because I was thinking at the moment, obviously, it's, it's been fantastic to spend more time with family, but just speaking uh, personally, there's, there's more triggers in terms of who's cleaned the kitchen, you, everyone's using the same things all the time. I think my wife, I get under her feet and, and stuff. And you think, I can see how that is potentially more flammable in, in certain situations if, if you've got a potential to, to go that way anyway. Do you, what are the general tips and advice for people who may be stuck at home in a, a precarious situation at the moment? I think a lot, a lot of it, um, there is a spectrum of domestic abuse, obviously, um, but a lot of domestic abuse that occurs um, um, is, is down to relationship, relationship issues. Mm. Um, and, and, and we know what relationships are like. You, know, you have to work with relationships, but if one person is dominant uh, and that person wants to have that control, um, mm. there's very little that the other person can do about that what they can do is they can try and pick up on those signs very early on. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, we provide a lot of information on our website. You know, we have what's called a, a family and friends policy on there. It's about a 20 page document, which you can either read on the website or you can download it. It's an e-document and it gives lots of tips of things of how you can actually um, identify whether a relationship is not right Mm. Um, or whether someone perhaps is suffering from the early signs of domestic abuse 
Um, whether that's your, you uh, and your partner or whether it's your friend or whether it's your relative and it tells you in there what you can do about that. Yeah. Um, and, and it gives the, that, that guidance to the individuals to, to, to hopefully um, either pre- prevent it happening because you can get in early or you can try and persuade those individuals to seek the right kind of help through the professional agencies. So it's really trying to pick up on the early signs of when a relationship is not quite right. Yeah. That's that one person is starting to control the other person. Um, you know, some, you know, we all have disputes, discussions, um, (laughs) arguments that that's a very fact of life, you know, between two people. But when that one person starts to dominate and have that control, then that's when it starts to become abusive. Yeah. When it comes from domestic matters, I, I sort of realized, I think I, I used to think I was quite good at washing up and things like that, but you realize there are levels and standards to this a bit like sport really. So I usually yeah. try to take a, take a kind of a learning approach to it and try to get better. Cause I think for my wife has been like living with a Neanderthal when we first got together in our, in our mid twenties. So it's, um, it's been, a, it's been an education. But it's, it's an interesting year. For, I mean, it must be a challenging year for, for Holly Gazard. It's fantastic you've achieved all of that and that, that synchronicity with the, the police and having the intermediary to help people through the Holly Gazard app. But I suppose we, we talked about events that were mooted and I suppose that's been an ongoing thing, hasn't it? It's the planning aspect of it. We didn't know it was going to be a full year. We kept coming in and out. It must be frustrating for logistically. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, we, we planned a lot of things for last year. You know, we have our annual walk in April. We have a golf day. We have our mm. annual dinner. Uh, and a lot of that was planned and prepared um, and right up to the very last moments we, you know we were having it and then bang we had to cancel it um, mm. and what that did was not only did it, did it take up a lot of resource to plan these things but also we lost the revenue then from holding those events so yeah our, our revenue was severely dented from the contributions that we'd make from those fundraising events yeah. you know we've had to now plan them all for this year um, so we've been a bit canny in essence. We've moved things to different dates in the year that mm. we think might be okay to hold them. For example, we used to have our walk in April, yeah. but we've moved that to July now. So hopefully we will be able to get out and do the Memorial Walk for Holly. Our yes. dinner we were going to have in next month, but that would have been a no-no. So we've moved that now to uh, November. Uh, our golf day is in September so we've moved the things to the latter part of the year hopefully during 2021 we can have those events and it's not only the revenue that we we we've lost but it's also the very fact that it's a marketing tool mm. you know you meet you meet people you you raise the profile of the trust and what it's trying to achieve uh, and also you're meeting the people that support you as well you know we yes. all know that you know zoom calls team team google whatever it is <laughs> they're great aren't they and they were great in the beginning but now aren't they a pain in the ass in yes. the sense of you know yeah. i i just want to get out and meet people face to face because yeah. you know i'm the type of person a social person i like talking to people and yeah you can talk over over the the internet but actually we all miss that face to face yeah, it's quite, um, quite, quite a quality connection, isn't it? I think it, it resonates. I mean, I've done things like done stuff for work at home and podcasts and things like we're doing now, but it's, it, it's not quite as nice as having a cup of coffee and sitting next to someone and, and having a bit of a laugh and, and just building those bonds. Yeah, don't we all miss that, that sort of discussion in the coffee house or the discussion in the pub over a pint? You know, mm. you know, we took that for granted, didn't we? Before, you did. before the twenty third of March last year, you mentioned uh, the, you mentioned the dinner because that must have been the dinner that that Carla, my wife, and I came to with um, 
were there with John Finnegan and Mark Kuzner from Cheltenham Town at the table and we had the, the auction. It was a fantastic night, great meal. And that was just before because it was murmured in the air, wasn't it? The coronavirus it was, was. In, in China. And, but I, 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 you know, I remember thinking, well, I wonder if it's going to impact us. I remember that night and then I had no idea that a few weeks later after that dinner, we were um, in lockdown and it's, it's been ever since then. That's incredible. That it would have been, the dinner would have been next month. It would have been a whole year. Yeah, I think we, I think we're, we were all surprised um, by, you know, the. Uh, I suppose none of us have been through a pandemic, or very, very few of few of the people that are now living have been through a pandemic before. Yeah. Um, so I, I suppose we didn't really know what to expect, you know. And my early days, I thought, well, a couple of months and we would be out of this and be back to normal. Uh, and yeah. they're talking about a second wave. I'm thinking, well, no, there's no going to be no second wave. And now we're into really a third wave, you know. And it's, it's, you know, I think none of us, none of us could have predicted this. Um, yeah. You know, if we look back. 12 months you know what a change it's been in those 12 months what a change mm. yeah it has and I think it's interesting your take on it that you believe although we've you know there was not pessimism at the start but almost a kind of a viewpoint that this would be the new world and we, we'd adapt to home working and just do zoom calls and teams calls you say do you think that now we're we're getting a little bit jaded by that actually we we yearn for that that human connection and we still will value the to go out and meet and greet and have events in person and, and, and the sort of the boost that gives you as a human. I think so. I think, you know, I don't think things will get back to what they were because I don't, you know, I think we've learned new things yeah. um, as a result of this pandemic. So I think we, we will combine the, the old with the new um, and we'll, we'll, we'll create a better environment, you know, a better way of communicating, you know, because if you can communicate a meeting over Zoom because it's quick, yeah. rather than 10-minute pull people in from all over the place and have that cost on the environment, the cost of the individual's time, the cost of getting there, getting home. Yeah, we, we missed that little bit of the, the nit and natter uh, before and after the meeting, but if it's only a very short meeting, have it on Zoom, have it, yeah. you know, have it on, online. But every now and again, get together for your bigger meetings um, and have them face to face. Mm. Um, and, and so I think we will find that new balance of things, you know, the good, uh, the good with the new, uh, and the good with the old. And, and I think, actually, we will be better for it going forward. Yeah. Do you feel workshops, particularly when you're working with people who may have been victims of abuse or things like that, that's presumably much better face-to-face, is it? People feel more comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I'm, I think you you lose a lot in the communication um, when you're trying to do it over the line. Mm. Um, so I think those are really um, things which have to be delivered and presented on a face-to-face basis. You know, I, I wrote an email to a local company who was supporting us this year, um, and they were really interested in our training programs and workshops, you know, because we have a load of workshops which I run. Mm. And I was explaining to them that, actually, these couple you can do online because they're very short, then perhaps 60 minutes, 90 minutes, and we, and we don't lose anything more much by delivering them online. Yeah. But actually, these other ones, we have to deliver face-to-face. So let's wait until this lockdown's over and we can get back in a, in a, in a sort of a, a, an environment whereby we can get into a room, perhaps not as many people as we had before because we might be a bit more spaced out. But mm. actually, we need to deliver, deliver these online, uh, sorry, a face-to-face because there's so much in there that you'd lose and the messages that you'd lose if you try to deliver them online. Yeah, there's so many intangible forms of communication. It's interesting because my, my father is a, a GP. He's in his mid-60s. Actually, my brother is as well and my sister-in-law. But they, they're, I think, in the sort of early stages of being doctors. So they're sort of more by the book. Whereas my dad has found, it, I think, a lot of anxiety because he says doing the phone calls relentlessly for appointments says it's fine and you can do 
video phone calls, but he says so much of being a doctor is just intangibly reading people when they come in. It's like he can tell by color of someone's pallor, from the movements, from their body language, whether someone's really sick or not. And it's, it's interesting how, how much we usually process in person that perhaps we lose, that, that gets lost in the, in the sort of remote connection. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. And, um, you know, I, I, that's why I mentioned, you know, we have to find that balance, you know, we have to, we have to do th certain things online and certain things face to face because I can't, yeah. we can't, we can't get away from delivering those face to face things because you just lose so much and you just have to find that balance really. And as a former Cheltenham town player, you've not been able to get down to the games and that was a big alliance for the, for the charity, wasn't it as well, the, for the trust? Yeah, the, 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 the uh, relationship we had with, with, the, with the club um during last season was was fantastic um and obviously we raised a lot of money as a result of that but also i think we raised our raised our profile as well to a lot mm. more people which is you know the the double-edged sword uh, and you know the club did us proud really in that in that respect and it's just a shame we couldn't finish it because lockdown came in uh, although it was brilliant that we had our our holiday when you know when we played in the white kit um, yeah. And that, that was fantastic. Uh, and that, that was something, something I'll, I'll always remember. Um, but not being able to get back there this year, this year it, it's, it's so frustrating. You know, I've been speaking to some of the guys online, mm. um, even speaking to them about the, the, the Man City game coming up on the weekend, you know. Which, yeah, you know, man. Uh, not ha <laughs> not having fans there, that, that is it, it's criminal in a way because, you know, you've got people who perhaps supported the town for 50, 60 years who you know, would just love to be there. You know, my, my yeah. wife's, my wife's uncle, he's, he's in his eighties now. He's, he's been at the town for 60 years. He's a, he's a season ticket holder. You know, what he would have given to see in that game is fantastic. I know it's going to be on TV, but again, it's not the same as actually being there. So, you yeah. know, it's, it's a big shame that we can't have crowds and we can't get into there, but that, that will come back. Um, mm. You know, we just got to keep our fingers crossed that they stay at top, near the top of the league and we can get up this year. Yes, yeah, up to up to League One indeed. I suppose that's the thing. It could have been a sellout, couldn't it? I suppose it would have been a great, yeah. great publicity promotion for Holly Gazard Trust as well, potentially to be part of that. Yeah, and it's it's all about creating those environments of uh, of um, well being, isn't it? In the sense of we know when we go to a football game. Well, I do anyway. If I go to a football game, I get that sense of well being. You know, yeah, and I, I feel happy. I, you know, my endorphins are probably high. You know, and particularly when it's, it's, it's a a game such as an FA Cup game or a big team, you know, it really excites you and you, and you get really excited about that game and you can't, you can't wait to get there. And, and, you know, regardless of the result, afterwards, you still feel on that high. There's yes. That, that, big, yeah. that big sort of well-being factor. I think we've missed out on that. Yeah, we not, do. Not, not the same watching it on the TV, is it? No, it's a real hubbub, isn't it, when you go there, particularly somewhere like Wadden Road where you can rock up relatively late, but you've got the smell of chips, people are bustling around, everyone's excited, people having a good beer maybe, and, and just, uh, yeah, there's sort of that anticipation, excitement in the air, and everyone's sort of, on a, on a cold winter's day, they're all sort of wrapped up. It's a, yeah, very visceral experience and a community experience. I think it'd be great to get back there. I think actually... I bought some tickets at the last year's dinner for Cheltenham Town, so I'm hoping to use them at some point and get back to, to Wadden Road because I love wandering down to, to support the local club. What have you made of it as a, a former footballer watching the games, Nick? Do you think that would affect it, not having people there for the players? Um, I don't think so because quite often when you get into that zone, yeah. um, when you're a player, you, you're in that zone anyway. And when I used to play, you need, okay, we weren't big crowds, but um, you know some of the big crowds that we did play get big play in front of you you, you try and you, you try to sort of 
put that out of your mind and you're just concentrating on your own game. Um, yes, at the start when you come out and perhaps at the end, um, but during the game itself, it's that focus on what you're doing and, and the job that you've got to do with being a part of that team. So uh, they, will, they will miss it. Um, but I think it's, it's the fact that they're, paying, they're playing a big team. Um, mm. and, and if that doesn't motivate you as a player, then I don't think you know, nothing will. So fantastic yeah. opportunity for all those players that are playing for Cheltenham Town on Saturday, uh, playing against Man City. Um, perhaps the second best club in the world behind Man United. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah well, I'm a Man United fan as well. So yeah, it's me, it's, there's no split loyalties for me at the weekend. I'll be uh, very much... No, not me. Cheltenham, Cheltenham, yeah, I think... <laughs> Uh, I think even to be honest, even if they beat Man United, I think I'd give them that. To be fair, it was such a big game yeah. for the town. So no, absolutely, uh, yeah, yep. Uh, but yeah, I think that's a that's a really really good point. I mean, I just want to. I really appreciate your time, Nick, and I'll, I'll let you go in a second. I just wanted to quickly your thought on on the town actually living in Cheltenham and your family being entrenched going back a while. I wander around the high street sometimes because where I live and you see the to let signs. Do you feel there has to be a sort of I guess a lo- big local effort, a team effort when, when things come back online to, to get the sort of local economy moving in and get everyone, I guess, together again. Yeah, I think Cheltenham has a lot going for it, you know, and, I, and I've lived in Cheltenham for quite, quite a long time now, uh, and I'm now in, now in Churchdown, but I think Cheltenham has a huge amount going for it. You know, it's a place where people like to come. Mm. Um, it's a pe- place where people like to live, like to shop. Uh, and I think as a community, you know, it, it's fantastic, you know, when you have the race meetings there, when you have the Gold Cup weeks, you know, that vibrancy in the town, you can feel it. Yeah. You can feel it. Um, uh, and and it's, it's a great place, you know, literary festivals, all the festivals that we have in the town, um, we need to get back to that. So when we do come out of this lockdown and we are able to hold those events, I think we need to get people to support it. And I think people will because, you know, the people that I know that live in Cheltenham, they love living in Cheltenham yeah. uh, and they love the town. Um, and they say it's the best place to live. Well, it is with the Cotswolds on your doorstep. It's, it is the best place to live as far as I'm concerned. And I right. think as, as, a, as a community, we have to come together and we have to support the town, you know, whether it's the football club, whether it's the race course, you know, whether it's whatever it is, mm. you know, get it back up and running again and get, get, people's, get people's lives back on a bit of sense of normality uh, and enjoying the place again. Absolutely. And how good would it be? You talk of the festivals, I mean, the jazz festival in the summer, if they can get that back on in, in person, would be fantastic. Because you just hear the music in the town and everything starts to, to up tempo, as you say. It's a real kind of, not only a great hub to be, to live here, but people come from around the, the world, around the country, at least, to, to visit those, those festivals. Well, Nick, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you, as ever. I'm glad you, I'm really glad you're on the mend and uh, you do such sort of noteworthy work i'm really proud to be associated as an ambassador with the holy gazard trust just give us a sense of where we can follow the plans unfold and we know that the plans are are ever changing at the moment the best place to to keep in contact and of course to download the app as well i suppose is the key thing for people yeah absolutely um go to our website uh, holygod.com um where it it gives you all the information there um sorry holygazard.com is also holygod or for the um the app so those two areas there um follow us on twitter you can follow us on facebook on instagram uh, they're all there holly just type in holly gazard and you'll find it we give out lots of information there about what we're doing in terms of education but also about our events you know when we do get back to a stage whereby we can have our physical events again you know, yeah. please support us you know um, even if it's just coming along to our walk and, and, and supporting us in that way, it, it doesn't always mean giving us money. Um, it's about coming together uh, and showing 
a sense of solidarity in what we're trying to achieve. Um, uh, and if you do see one of our posts and you like and you, and you like what we're doing, like it, share it, um, mm. get the messages out there. And, that, and that's what we're after, really, is trying to get across as many people as we can with the information that we've got. Yeah, it's a it's a really powerful story what you've done off the back of a tragedy in uh, in Holly's murder, and it's it's really powerful what, what you've managed to achieve. And I suppose Nick, when when you look at that, that puts everything to perspective for a lot of people, doesn't it? If we're if we're alive and we're well, you know, Holly's story in a sense can give us positivity to appreciate what we have. It does, and you know, I've I've, I've had two of these now with Holly's murder. You know, that was a a real wake up call for me in the sense of changed my life completely. And then with my stroke, you know, I'm lucky to be alive as a result of that. You know, I've got a sort of a third a third yeah. um, emerging now. So um, I'm thankful for that. Thankful for being alive, and I, I will continue to do what I'm doing, but perhaps just slow down a little bit so that I yeah. don't have an, another stroke. <laughs> yeah, bo box clever, as they say, as well. Yeah, but, um, absolutely. Yeah. Thank, Nick, really appreciate it. Thank you for speaking to the podcast. You're welcome. Thanks, Ed. Really good to hear Nick Gazard on the men, as I say, very lucid, articulate. Appreciate his time as he continues to recuperate, recover from that stroke, and hopefully it gives him that perspective and it, and it turns into a positive, like he says, and that zest for life that you have after a, a near-death experience and his appreciation of life, as he say, I guess, awoke, awoken in him by the tragic death of his daughter Holly and he's turned that tremendous negative into a inspirational positive in the work he does with the Holly Gazard Trust and I do hope that people get in touch if you've got any concerns around domestic abuse any tensions in a volatile situation the pandemic may have pushed you into a lot of repercussions and ripple effects aren't there albeit I appreciate the intent of government and leaders around the world to to stymie the virus there are consequences aren't there we're just beginning to to get an appreciation of holistically on the subject of physical health and optimizing immunity remember the code is cytoplan.co.uk c-y-t-o-p-l-a-n.co.uk for a 30 percent initial discount off their food-based supplements particularly the immune complete too if you're looking to stave off coughs and colds and of course covid19 um, then the code is draper10r d-r-a-p-e-r all capital letters then the numbers one zero and the capital letter r Thank you to Cytoplan for the association. I take them every morning, my immune complete too. And to the sponsors, the main sponsor of the podcast, as ever, Bang & Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high-quality customer service and installations. Check out Jason Briggs and his team, B&O on Twitter, B&O on Instagram, Bang & Olufsen Cheltenham website. Through that company, Serene AV, not just the fine Bang & Olufsen equipment, though. They will source whatever fits your needs, bespoke solutions to your home entertainment quandaries and puzzles. So uh, get in touch with Jason and his team appreciate their support appreciate you listening to the podcast if you could rate it on itunes or whatever platform you are listening to it on on many platforms 12 i believe including spotify and um you know, most people listen on apple i believe on itunes but there are other people listening on different platforms which i appreciate and if you want to get in touch with me ed draper 81 on twitter ed underscore draper 81 on instagram i'm a sports broadcaster in the uk day job for sky sports but enjoy exploring topics uh, just a bit more randomly conversations that i like to have on the podcast hopefully they uh, illuminate or, or not illuminate i'm not sure they illuminate but hopefully that you find them interesting and potentially uh yeah just to some of the, the issues around sport and life what sport can inform about life and some of the uh I guess topics that, that like to riff on with some good
good people, good friends and colleagues of mine. So there we have it. And we'll be back, I hope, before the end of the week with a, another podcast, hoping to maybe get a Cheltenham Town player on ahead of that huge FA Cup game against Manchester City. If not, then uh, I know that we're going to get Mark Halliwell, local journalist who covers Cheltenham, on to set that up on Friday. So check back for that. Thank you for listening, guys, and goodbye for now.